You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. There's a cabin in the woods nearby. Legends say that something lives there, something not from our world, something that likes to leave only to invite others to the cabin using the faces of their friends. Come with me, bud. It'll be a scary good time. Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails, and you can follow me on Twitter to help me get to 12K followers, or to just see the misery that trying blue cheese for the first time caused me. Today, I've got some creepy cabin stories to share with you. Enjoy, and don't forget to send me your scary stories at darkstories.org so I can narrate them. I'm looking for encounters with the unexplained that happened in the mountains. You can also search for EerieCast on your favorite podcast app to find more free, scary podcasts. Now, let's begin. Mafia House From Anonymous I was on a church retreat last winter up in Pennsylvania. We stayed at a sort of campsite. Nothing fancy, just a big cabin with 20 rooms, a living room, kitchen, and two bathrooms. I unpacked my things and met my roommate. He was pretty chill, and we had a lot in common. That day, I heard a couple of my friends talking about the Mafia House. As it was my first time on the retreat, I had no idea what that was. I joined in on the conversation and asked about it. They said the Mafia house was a haunted house just up on the hill away from the cabin. I looked out the window, and there it was. An old abandoned three-story home. It kind of reminded me of the house from The Conjuring. They told me that it was rumored that they kept all the dead bodies up in the attic. I then said, why don't we explore it? They looked at each other, and we all agreed. We got four of my friends and my roommate together to go explore that house. I had a power LED flashlight, and so did my friend. I wasn't expecting any trouble, though. We'd be going the following day, and when that day arrived, my roommate and I walked around the house, trying to find an entrance. The front door was locked. The back door was no use either. The last door, which was the basement door, opened without any trouble. I called my roommate over, and we both looked at each other. Eventually, he said, Well, let's uh, go tell everyone else. We headed back to the cabin and told our friends we found a way inside. They all backed out when they heard we'd have to go through the basement. My roommate and I were pretty disappointed, but we agreed we were still going to explore it. The following day, which was the last day of the retreat, we played a game of basketball, and in the middle of the game, we acted like we were going to take a break. But actually, we headed up to the Mafia house. My roommate paused and stopped. He just kept looking at the place. Eventually, he just said to me, You know, why risk it? I gave him a confused look. He went on, we might get in trouble, we might get possessed, we might die. I gave an angry look and yelled at him. You're just going to back out now? He looked disappointed at that, then replied, Yes, I guess I am. I shook my head, irritated. Fine, I'll go by myself. I half ran, half walked toward the house, 
not even looking back in my anger. I got to the basement door, grabbed the handle, and pondered for a moment. I ignored every thought, most of which were telling me don't do it. But finally, I budged the rusty metal door open. Once inside, I shut the door behind me. I know it was a bad idea, and I still regret it. But I didn't want anyone getting suspicious seeing the door open like that. My mission was to make it to the attic to see if the rumors were true that there were bodies stashed up there. I turned on my flashlight. The basement was laid out oddly. There was a boiler in the side of the room with pipes stretched across the floor. Not too creepy so far. I walked through the basement slowly. I saw piles of junk like cloth, food, beer bottles, etc. Atmospheric, sure, but not creepy yet. The place also reeked of an odor that almost made me throw up. I adventured deeper into the concrete basement. I soon found another pile. This one was made up of children's toys, like 20th century looking baby dolls, old toy cars, and wind-up toys. My heart started racing, and thoughts played in my head that I needed to leave, but I didn't listen to them. I moved on. I stopped again when I got to the stairs that led to the first floor. I didn't even get to the first step before I heard a creaking noise above me. It sounded like someone was walking around on the first floor. But whoever they were, they weren't walking in a straight line. It sounded like someone pacing back and forth. I stood there still as a statue, and I turned on my flashlight. I could hear my heart nearly pounding out of my chest, and I could barely hear the footsteps anymore over it. I waited for the steps to stop, and about two minutes later, which felt like forever, they finally did. Still, I stood there. It was so quiet then in that basement, you could hear a pin drop. Suddenly, I heard a door creak open and slam from above me. I didn't stay there any longer. I ran away from those steps, tripping over one of the pipes. I fell and dropped my flashlight. It clicked off as it fell. I began to scour the floor in the dark with my hands, looking for the flashlight. Then I heard footsteps again. This time they were in front of me, in the basement. As luck would have it, I quickly felt my flashlight, picked it up, and ran for the door, barely finding the door at all. When I made it outside, I ran all the way back to the cabin. My roommate was still there and saw me running. I told him everything that happened, along with my other friends, and none of them believed me, still to this day. As we left that camp, I looked back at the house and I saw a figure. I tried to make them out as best I could. It appeared to be a figure of a man. I turned away for only a moment, and when I looked back, the figure was gone. I never went back to that house, but ever since I explored the Mafia house, I've been hearing weird noises at my own place. I hate this summer camp. From Moon One year, as summer drew near, my mom sent me away to camp so that I wouldn't be a bother. I wasn't a stranger to this camp. I'd been going to it for the past four years. But as an older kid, I had to prepare myself mentally. This was a horse camp so I knew all the younger kids who made up the majority of the place would be screaming and fighting over the prettiest pony. Now, this camp was old, old as bones. The lodges we stayed at were made of wood with tarps as roofs and cots as beds. That year I was paired up with two little girls named Lizzie and Callie, as well as an older girl named Rose. On the first night, before I went to bed, I visited my horse named Bonzi. Bonzi was a white Arabian. I remember brushing Bonzi that night, completely alone in the barn. 
Suddenly nearby, I heard this clattering sound, like someone had dropped a brush. So I put my own brush down and exited the stall to see what fell. But I didn't find anything weird. I shrugged it off and re-entered the stall, and as soon as I did, I looked up to see Bonzi completely whizzing out. She was crying and trying to escape with this terrified look in her eyes. Eventually, I managed to calm her down. Then I calmed down the other horses who had gotten scared from her being scared. After that, I locked up and booked it back to my lodge. As the day came to a close, I sat on the porch of our lodge. I knew something was wrong, though. Not just what happened with Bonzi, either. Because, usually, I felt at home in these woods. But so far, I felt so tense being out here in these woods like it wasn't the same forest anymore. On the third day, the anxious feeling hadn't gone away. At the end of the day's riding lessons, I swear I saw something vanishing into the woods. I had turned my head to see what it was, and in that instant, Bonzi's big old horse hoof slammed right onto my foot. I was forced to skip out on some activities, but nothing else happened for the rest of the day. Then came the night of the fifth day. It must have been around 1 or 2 a.m. I was awakened by Lizzie and Callie, who needed a light for the way back from the bathroom. I told them I would just sit on the deck with my flashlight on and wait for them. So they were off and I sat on the deck. As I sat there, I felt a chill creep up my spine. Hello? I called out, feeling as if I wasn't alone. It was a stupid question to ask. I then suddenly heard rustling. I spun around and stared at the end of my cabin, just as anyone would fear, as if it was straight from a nightmare. At the edge of the cabin, peeking around the corner, was a face. I screamed then. This wasn't a normal face I'd glimpsed. This was a dark black figure with no skin and sunken in white eyes. I dropped my light and ran back inside knowing it was running after me by the sound of wood being slammed underneath feet. I turned back to see the door being shaken and rattled. I wanted to scream again, but all I could do was hold on to the door, too scared to let go. I then began to wonder, what would it do to me or Rose if it got in? I was crying then, my heart racing. Then I heard it. Moon, open the door. It was just Lizzie and Callie. I swung the door open and pulled them inside. There's a man outside. My heart sank. Did he hurt you? No, I'm okay. Why are you scared? Because we saw him too, Lizzie explained. For the rest of the night, Lizzie, Callie, and I slept in the same bed. Nothing else happened until the last night where the cabins were split up in a game of glow-in-the-dark tag. We'd tried to forget what happened in the previous night and hid in the barn. Big mistake. Lizzie and I had been hiding in there for a while. We were sitting up next to the hay bales, silently talking, when we heard footsteps. We smiled, thinking it was one of the campers coming to look for us. We peered over the ledge to see who it was, and our hearts sank. A tall, lanky black figure stood in the middle of the barn. It was hunched over. It had long claws. I slammed my hand over Lizzie's mouth and backed away into the hay. I could feel both our hearts pounding as we sat, waiting for what seemed like hours. It began to look around in the hay, standing over six feet tall. I could hear it making grunts, but eventually, it left. When I felt safe, I grabbed Lizzie and dashed out of the barn, running away. That was the last we glimpsed of that creature. I have no idea what it was. I don't know why it decided to just appear that year, but not during any of the years prior or after. I simply know that I'll be happy if I never see it again. Bathroom Paranormal Story From Anonymous
It was at the start of my sixth grade year. My whole class would be going on a three-day trip to learn about caring for the earth and whatnot. It was the first night there, and the girls were split into two different cabins. If you could call them cabins at all, they were more like wooden tents with broken fly screens for doors, which made it the perfect spot for mosquitoes. It was only the girls that had to sleep in these wooden tents, because the boys apparently got actual cabins with working doors and air conditioning. The camp guides, or whatever you call them, gave us thin mats to sleep on, which by the way were extremely uncomfortable. Come nighttime, all the girls were outside of the cabins complaining about which cabin was the quietest, and in my opinion, none of them were. While half of the girls were outside complaining, my friend, Jamie, and I were inside caring for some people who happened to get a cold due to the freezing tints we had. We thought it was kind of fun to play doctors, and we felt like we were invincible to the dreaded cold everyone else was getting, even though eventually Jamie did catch the cold. Later that night, as all the girls had finally stopped debating, one of them knocked my water bottle over, spilling the water all over my sleeping bag. I was a little bit annoyed, but I knew I wasn't really going to sleep that night anyway. Around the middle of the night, most of the people in our cabins were asleep, except for Jamie and I. Around that time, our friend, Maddie, woke up. She told us she was going to the bathroom, so she put on her glasses got her water bottle, and left to go to the bathroom. From our tent, the bathrooms were about a three-minute walk away, and you can see them from the tent. After about five minutes of Jamie and I talking, Jamie brought up Maddie and asked if maybe we should go check to see if she was okay. I told Jamie that she's probably fine, but if she does take too long, we can go and check on her. Ten minutes later, Jamie brought up Maddie again, and that maybe we should go check. So Jamie went up to the bathrooms whilst I stayed in the tent. I went to steal Maddie's sleeping bag because mine was soaked, to find that Maddie was still in her sleeping bag. She had never left. She had the sleeping bag over her face. I'm not sure how we didn't notice that. I was very confused, because we never saw her come back. When a confused Jamie came back from the bathrooms, she saw Maddie there and looked just as bewildered as I was. Maddie explained to us that she never went to the bathrooms that night, that whoever they saw who got up and went to the bathrooms was not her. But Jamie and I were right next to her. We were absolutely sure it was her, and we recall the exact same thing. It wasn't a surprise to Maddie as she very frequently experiences the paranormal. Even to this day, we never found out who or what that thing was. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Closet From Anonymous This is a story from my father. It takes place over his Mormon mission to the Philippines to teach people about the gospel and other things like that. This will be told from his point of view. It was late one night in the rural areas of the Philippines. I was in the men's shared house, the hut shared by the male half of that area's group. The sort of cabin wasn't anything special, only about one or two rooms, and it was mostly only used to sleep and get dressed in. However, it was difficult getting to sleep that one particular night. I had stayed up much later than the rest of the hut. As I tried desperately to pass out on my sleeping mat, I was greeted with a loud knock at the front door. It woke up most of the other guys, so we went to answer it. We found the entire woman half of the group at our doorstep. Every one of them looked as if they had just seen some ghost. We asked what was wrong. They hysterically explained that they were sitting in their house just talking and starting to try and get some sleep. Then, one by one, they all felt as if they were being watched. They agreed that they no longer felt alone in that house. The bad feeling got so bad, they all ran out of the house, slamming the door closed behind them and hurried over here to us. Now, being the leader of the group meant that I would be responsible for these kinds of situations. So, me and a few others went to help. Five other guys and I followed the girls back to their house. To give you a bit of context, the women's house was much fancier than ours. It wasn't some rudimentary living space cabin type of thing. It was a very old house, built around two centuries before by some colonizers. It was on stilts that rose a foot or two off the ground so that the house wouldn't be tilted on the rocky terrain. It had 10 to 12 rooms in it. The owner had lent it to the Mormon organization to use as housing. But before he left, he had stated to our superiors that a few decades before, a few kids that were playing around crawled under the house. They'd found an old hand grenade from the war that had happened a couple of years prior. They began playing with it, but it went off, killing all the children that were still under the house. We arrived at their fancier cabin-like home, only to find that in their rush to leave, the girls had left their keys inside locking themselves out. We checked the front door, the back door, even the windows, but everything was locked up tight. We began to argue as we returned to the big wooden front doors. I was so frustrated with the situation that I walked up to the door and kicked it so hard it fell in. We entered and, in small groups, searched the house. Nothing appeared to be out of place, other than the fact that there was one closet that was locked, and the girls had no key for it. We dismissed it as nothing, and we told the girls that we'd spend the night in the house and the girls would sleep in the hut. After all, I'd already broken the door down, and it could no longer be locked. The girls left and us guys stayed up, playing cards to pass the time. Eventually, we all got very drowsy after a while. And just as we were about to fall asleep, a deafening noise came from the closet. It was as if a massive box of heavy books was just dropped from several stories high, or actually, as I wondered about it, it sounded a lot like a muffled explosion. My partner, who I would go on daily routes with, immediately sprang up out of his chair and began pounding furiously at the door, yelling, Open up! I joined him in banging on the door for a few seconds, then stopped. The entire house was dead silent. I walked outside and looked for a window, and even under the house's stilts, 
trying to find some way to enter the closet, but came up with nothing. To this day, I still don't know what made that noise, but I can't help but think maybe it was the sound of that tragic event with the children replaying itself. I've always loved summer camp. The friends, the fun, just getting away from reality. Well, I did enjoy it until about four years ago at my church camp here in North Carolina. It was only a few days into the first week of that camp when we were all settled down in our cabin for bed. I kept hearing something from outside the window, like a wild animal or something of the sort was in the woods right beside us. About an hour later, everyone was asleep, but my curiosity was so strong, I literally snuck out of the cabin. As I walked outside, it was so silent, it gave me chills. I walked around for a while, looking for what in the world was making that noise. I think I was hoping to see something like a fox or a deer. Suddenly, I jumped as I heard a snap from the woods right behind me. I turned around slowly, calling out, Hello? But I received no answer. I made the very dumb decision to walk towards it. I looked into the deep darkness. My heart stopped as I saw an outline. I kid you not, it was almost like, well, this may sound crazy, but it was like a lizard with the body of a man. I saw two red eyes staring back at me. All of a sudden, that thing began to run towards me, letting out a loud hiss. I screamed and ran as fast as I could back to the cabin. I was in such a panicked hurry that I woke up everyone else in the cabin. Our counselor practically jumped out of his bed, demanding to know what was wrong and why in the world I had been outside alone. I explained everything to him. While I'm sure he didn't really believe me, he did go outside with the flashlight to make sure everything was okay. When he came back, he said he didn't find anything weird. He explained I was probably just hearing and seeing things in the dark. But I'm telling you now, it seemed so real. The very next day, I told my mom to come pick me up. It was pretty late when she arrived to take me home, and as we were leaving, I looked back in the woods, and I swear on my life I saw that same figure again. I screamed at my mother to look, but by the time she looked back, it was gone. I've done lots of research about what this could be. I did find one thing that is well known around the Carolina area. They call it the Lizard Man, but whatever it was, I just don't want to see it ever again. Structure in the Woods From Anonymous I need to give a little context before you know the rest of the story. My cousin and I were having fun for spring break at my cabin. She was nine and I was twelve years old at the time. That day, my cousin and I were finished eating at a local restaurant near to the cabin. We were then told by one of our aunts that there was a swing set behind the place. We were excited, so once we were done eating, we went through the back door entrance of the restaurant. We walked down this path, wondering where these supposed swings were. Eventually, we found an old, dirty, and very ripped up couch sitting by this tall pine tree. We kept looking, and there we found it, a swing set along with a slide. At that point, I no longer felt like swinging. I suddenly had a feeling of dread wash over me. I looked around as my cousin got on the swing, and I saw it, this mutilated monkey bar thing with a large black cord wrapped very loosely around the top. A yellow cord was also hung from it with a light fixture on the end. Hanging by its neck from a black cloth was a baby doll. A few feet away from that was a human-sized doghouse, much too big for a dog, which gave me an even deeper sense of, we need to get the heck out of here. I told my cousin, and she walked over to where I was standing. Then she gasped. I think there's someone in the doghouse. 
she whispered to me, which made a chill go down my spine. We then heard this distant, high-pitched whirring sound above us. That was enough. The two of us turned tail and ran. Suddenly, my leg decided at that moment to cramp up, so I was limping after my cousin as fast as I could. We tried to tell my aunt, but she ignored us. We decided to keep the story to ourselves. I'm 15 now, and I'm still afraid of going back to that place. Summer Camp Creature From Anonymous This story happened about two years ago. My friend Zach and I were on our way to a summer camp where we would spend a week. We were both pretty excited about it. We soon arrived at the campground, and our parents signed sheets of paper I assumed were for some safety things. Once all the parents had left, we were assigned to cabins and camp leaders. My cabin had eight other boys along with Zach and I. Our camp leader was a man named Peter. To be honest, Peter creeped me out a bit. He had long, black, greasy hair and pale white skin. He was in his early 20s, but he didn't seem like the outdoorsy kind of guy. The first two days there were great. Zack and I went canoeing, rock climbing, and swimming. Typical camp activities. We met two girls named Jessie and Erica, too. It was Wednesday afternoon, around 5.30, and Erica and I were talking by this amazing spot by the river. She told me where she was from and what sports she played. I told her the same. She began to tell me about her grandparents' cabin nearby. That's when I noticed someone standing just a little ways up the path we took to get there. It was our camp leader, Peter. He was just standing there. Awkwardly, I waved at him, but he remained motionless. Erica noticed too and got creeped out, asking if we could go somewhere else. I agreed with her and we left, looking back as we walked away. I could still see Peter standing there. The dude gave me chills. Later that night, we were in the lodge with our cabin mates eating dinner. I asked Zach if he knew where Peter was. He said no, and I told him about Peter staring at me and Erica. He thought that was weird too, but didn't think much more of it. He told me to forget about it, to just enjoy the rest of the night. I then started thinking maybe I overreacted. He might have just been doing something else, I thought. But a part of me was wondering if he was doing something else, why didn't he wave back at me? Why didn't he move a muscle? Why was he just staring? Just then, Peter walked in and sat down across from me. He talked to some of the other boys, and I felt too uncomfortable to make eye contact. That night, when everyone was sleeping, I awoke sometime late in the night with the urge to use the bathroom. We weren't supposed to go alone to the bathrooms, but everyone else was fast asleep. So I got up and threw on my flip-flops and went to the bathrooms. These restrooms were disgusting, but I did manage to find a clean-ish stall, so I did my business. I was startled when I heard someone come into the bathroom but I thought it was someone from another cabin. The person walked down the aisle of stalls and stopped right outside of mine. I could see his legs and feet. I was so creeped out, I didn't have the courage to ask who it was out there. He moved away from my stall then. I thought he walked towards the exit. I started to ease up a bit. But then the lights to the bathroom shut off and the door slammed shut. I couldn't believe what was happening. I heard footsteps walking closer to me. Then they stopped. I called out then in a trembling voice. Is anyone there? I then felt a cold hand suddenly grab my leg. I screamed so loud, I kicked the door open and ran as fast as I could out of there. I looked behind me just once and saw the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. Peter was chasing me, wearing one of my shirts and my underwear. 
I ran all the way to the lodge, which I was so relieved to see was open still. Two of the camp leaders were inside talking and eating chips. They asked what was wrong, and I frantically told them about Peter. They called somebody up on the phone and told me to sit with them. They said I could stay in a spare room at the lodge. My parents came to pick me up early in the morning. The camp must have told them what happened. Either way, I was relieved to be leaving. A week later, Zack told me Peter never returned to the cabin. He wasn't even found on the campground. I didn't care. I was just happy that I was out of there. I won't be staying at an overnight camp ever again. And if you do, be careful. Wendigo in Southern Virginia from Scared Monkey 99. I lived in Florida back then. I experienced this years ago. I was around 16 then. To set the scene, I'll tell you that I've always been a believer of the supernatural. In my free time, I would often study monsters and stories of encounters with them. On top of that, my mother is pagan and practices witchcraft, the good kind. Back then, I lived in a small wooded area on a gravel road with only one streetlight, and even that was halfway up the road from the house. The property was about 1.6 acres in total, but that doesn't include the woods. There were maybe six houses in my area, but you couldn't see most of them from our house, just the next-door neighbors. There's a cabin just up the road about 500 feet from where my house was. We had some family friends living there that were paying rent. One night at this cabin, they were having a small party-slash-get-together type of thing. My two older siblings, my parents, and a few other relatives were up there playing loud music and drinking. My little sister and I were at the house. It was sometime around 7pm. It had just gotten dark and my little sister was inside watching a movie. Rather, she was asleep on the couch with the movie on. Now, for some forgotten reason, I was outside. I don't know if I was just letting the dog out to use the restroom or if I was just bored, beating things with a stick like I've done before. But I heard something in the woods then. It was over near where we usually had our bonfires. It was about a good hundred feet into the woods in a cleared area, and the tree line was another 75 feet, give or take, from where I stood. I couldn't see that far due to how dark it was, and the trees, but I heard something moving around in there. Now, this isn't what bothered me. I'd lived out there for my entire 16 years of life. I'd always heard things out in the woods. It was usually either a coyote or a fox, but... This time it was different. This sounded heavier. I knew that there were no bears in our area, and the biggest thing out there was going to be a coyote. But this was far too heavy to be a coyote. I could hear it from the side of my house. I was a little scared then, so I began to slowly make my way towards the front of the house, keeping an eye on the woods and the direction of which the sound of movement was coming from. As I reached the corner at the edge of my house that led to the front yard, still closely watching the woods, I saw them. Two glowing pale discs that resembled eyes peeking out from the tree line. Now, as I mentioned earlier, my mother is pagan and practices witchcraft, so I began to wonder if she'd set up some sort of protection spell around the property, because the thing could move no further than the tree line. But then, I swear it began to talk. It had the most bone-chilling voice I'd ever heard. It was this low, raspy, harsh sound, like it was being forced. It was calling to me. Come here. I don't want to hurt you. I stood there motionless. It had spoken my name. How did it know my name? Every last instinct was telling me to run back inside the house, but I was terrified. I couldn't move. Come here, Kai. It said in a harsher tone. Come here, come here, come here. 
realizing that it would not move past that tree line, I was able to find the strength to begin to move again. I had an idea of what the thing was. As I mentioned before, I always loved stories of monsters. And as I said, I've studied monsters and the like on the internet. I believed it to be a Wendigo or a skinwalker. That's when my fear was overtaken by cocky 16-year-old confidence and anger. It also happens to be the moment I made a huge mistake. I picked up a nearby rock, about half the size of my fist, and I yelled at the creature, Get out of here! And I threw the rock at it. I don't know if I hit it or not, due to how dark it was. But immediately after, the thing screeched so loud it shook my eardrums, and I nearly soiled myself. When the rock I'd thrown moments before whizzed past inches from my head with such force, it was lost in the woods on the opposite side of the house. I ran to the front door, rushing inside where my little sister was rubbing her eyes after waking up. I couldn't let her see the horror on my face. I couldn't let her know of the thing in the woods. I walked quickly to my room where I drew the curtains closed, and I hid in my bed until my family got home. After my family made it back and settled in, I went to my mother and hugged her, thanking her and telling her that I loved her. She asked me why I was thanking her like that, and I simply said, for protecting the family. I then told her I didn't want to talk about the rest of it. She only found out about what happened that night, just recently, when my family was home discussing the supernatural. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. My Two Possessed China Dolls From Everything Girl 238 To begin, the larger one of the two of my China Dolls is one I got when I think I was 11 or 12. My best friend Kay at the time gave it to me for my birthday. My grandmother told me that china dolls like that are not very cheap. They're meant more for decoration, not play. Granted, I didn't have many toys and stuffed animals. I never was interested in them that much. I had some, sure, but I could possibly count them on two hands. Most of them I gave away to kids in the family when I turned 13. The smaller of the two I got when I was a little older. I think it was an Easter gift. My sisters got one too, but I believe they lost theirs. I've had these dolls for at least nine years now. I'm 22 as of writing this. During those years, I've got a few short stories involving them. Some recent, some a little older. The first story involves when I lived at the old log cabin house. We'd been there for about two or three years then. This was when my sisters first moved in. It was also around the time they began to say the doll unnerved them. Granted, at the time, I'd had that doll for a couple of years. Never once had I felt anything off about it. My more spiritual friend says they might like me. However, upon seeing my dolls, my sisters always requested me to push the hat down on the larger one, as that was the one I kept in my bedroom on the dresser near my bed. This would cover its eyes so it didn't have to look at you. Though once or twice I do remember that I'd find days when the hat would be lifted, even though I hadn't touched the doll. For context, for those who don't own China dolls, they're mostly for show and not play. The only thing one would find off, physically wrong with the large doll, are the fact its eyelashes fell off due to wear and tear. That's about it. Maybe its hair is a little off as it tends to fall out when I try to get the tangles out of it. The next story is from my little sister. At the time this happened, I was away in Florida for the summer. I was spending time with some aunts there. 
Now my sisters and I shared one large room in the cabin house. It could fit three full-sized beds and still have room for a futon, TV, and even three dressers. So yeah, it was pretty big. But back on track. My sister was coming up the stairs to get something from the room. She suddenly noticed the doll. Before I'd left, they had specifically asked me to turn the doll to face my bed with the hat down. Something I definitely did. Mostly out of amusement as I thought it was funny they were so afraid of it. My other sister, the middle one, swears up and down that before this, she even put the doll on my bed under the covers. In fact, I remember finding it being there when I got back for the school semester. But as she climbed the stairs, she turned her head to see into the room from the banister, which had a clear view of my bed and the dresser. There, sitting on the dresser, hat up and facing her, was the doll. My sister, needless to say, didn't get what she needed, and instead bolted straight down the stairs. She didn't come up until later, making sure to bring my middle sister with her. They then put the doll back under the covers of my bed before going back down the stairs. The next incident took place about one or two years ago, in the new house. I was away at college at the time. One morning, my grandmother woke up to hear knocking sounds from my room. She said it sounded like someone taking their fist and banging on wood. Oddly enough, at the time, I would sit my dolls on a wooden bookshelf near the door, and there's a wooden box near that also. My grandmother thought it was coming from my mini-fridge, but once she got to the room, the sound stopped. This would happen on two more occasions before I got home. When I got back, she asked me to check on it. I looked around my room, finding the fridge was running smoothly. No leaks or anything inside that can make such a sound. After that, I went to relax for a bit. At some point, she said she heard it again, but from the time it took me to walk from the den to the living room, which is under a minute, it all stopped again. I never got to hear it. My grandmother refuses to say that it's a spirit. The last event is small, but a family friend wanted a picture of the doll because of the things my sisters had said about it, that it was possibly haunted or possessed. She snuck into my room without me knowing, lifted the hat, and took a picture. She swears up and down, the eyes flicked over. The doll at the time was staring at her from my desk in the corner. She took the picture and got the heck out of there. I guess my dolls don't like people snooping in my room just as much as I don't. My grandmother is also known to snoop as well. I still have the dolls. In fact, not too long ago as of writing this, there was a loud noise from that direction behind me. On occasion, I swear I see the smaller one's eyes looking at me. But I don't get a malicious intent from them. Maybe they know I'm typing about them. But luckily, they do seem to like me, and I hope it stays that way. Maybe as long as I take care of them, they don't seem bothered by me. After all, they say you should never break a china doll, lest the spirit inside might take it out on you. Halloween Werewolves From XWB In 2020, we all know there were some global mishaps and an event affected my graduation that year which was a bummer. It affected our high school seniors the most, it seemed. There were people who had to take online classes and didn't participate, so they didn't graduate. I felt really bad after all that happened. It was nearly Halloween of 2020. I thought to myself it'd be pretty cool if we all got together and had a lot of fun to make up for the awful year. So I thought of an idea to have a party. I knew it was against regulations on the social distancing stuff, but honestly, I didn't care anymore. Now, I didn't want to have a party in my own house, because the last time we had a party there, we had problems with some of our stuff being missing or stolen. But the problem was, I didn't know where to go. So I opened up to my girlfriend, Leanne, including my friends on Discord, asking them all some suggestions to a few places. One of Leanne's friends, Sam, said, why don't we try that cabin or outdoor home that your third cousin has? 
I asked Sam why she even wanted to go. She said she was off work, it was Halloween, it would be a blue moon, on a Saturday, a lot of good points. Alright, I said. So I gave everybody the address and where the party would be. Now another thing to note. My third cousin, Lance, moved to California for his new job as a high school music teacher. So I asked his husband, Francis, if I could throw a party at their cabin. He answered, sure, as long as you guys don't drink alcohol. Now I don't keep any promises. So on Halloween, I grabbed snacks, soft drinks, and my costume and headed out to the cabin. I was the first to arrive there. I quickly put on my costume. In case you're wondering what I wore, it was a steampunk plague doctor. Fitting, right? After a few minutes go by, my friend Cameron arrived with one of those glowing purge masks, which also makes sense as well, due to the lovely riots, I mean peaceful protests that were going on at the time. He brought over some angry orchards in a variety of flavors. Then Leanne arrived, dressed as Little Red Riding Hood. Sam arrived after that as an anime cat girl. Yeah, I know, it's weird. Finally, another friend of mine, Adam, arrived as a Call of Duty Zombies character. I think it was Dr. Edward Richthofen. After my friends arrived, we partied, drank, and played some games. Then we watched some of the Saw movies, all together having a good time. Now, something you should know is that I experienced something of a cryptid sighting here before. I truly believe at one point that I saw a werewolf at this cabin. You may have heard the story before. Narrator's note, if you want to hear the original story, it was featured in the episode titled Four Horrifying Creatures Hunting People in the Woods, which was episode 278 of the Unexplained Encounters podcast. Now back to the story. I had shared this story with this group of friends, and Sam especially was inquisitive of it. At this point in the night, Sam kept demanding that we go outside into the woods to find this elusive werewolf. Having been terrified of the creature before, I thought this was a terrible idea. So I replied to her, You know what? If you want to go out in the woods in the dark all by yourself, then be my guest. If you get attacked or even killed by that thing out there, I'm not coming to rescue you. I said this not to be mean, just to scare her into thinking it would be a bad idea. But I was wrong, because it backfired. Sam immediately headed towards the door and left. Not a very big brain move of me. Leanne noticed that Sam headed out on her own and demanded we should try to find her before it was too late. If she wasn't going to be attacked by a werewolf, she might be attacked by a bear or coyotes. She could get lost. With a sigh, I agreed. Adam wanted to stay in the cabin because he was a bit afraid of the stories I've told. He was also scared of the typical wildlife out there. I can understand that. As silly as this may sound, the three of us grabbed our flashlights. We went out into the woods with our costumes on, looking for a friend. All the while, there might be some sort of monster on the loose. It might sound silly, but I can assure you this legitimately happened. Stupid? Yeah, we can agree on that. We were walking along the wooded road, and it wasn't long before I noticed that something was wrong. I turned to my right and didn't see anything weird, but I swear I heard something. Then it clicked. The noise, the position it came from, it was the exact same as two years ago. The only way to prove this was to do exactly as I did before. I told the guys to stop walking. And just as I predicted, the noises nearby stopped too. We were being followed. I whispered to them, Do you have any weapons? Cameron replied, Yeah, I've got a pocket knife. Will that work? Are you kidding me? No. Well, I wasn't expecting to be stalked. Suddenly, we heard someone running behind us. We turned around horrified only to see Sam petrified. Leanne immediately exclaimed, Sam, thank goodness you're okay. Sam replied right away, No, I'm not okay. Do I look okay? What happened? She answered as I looked around, making sure the coast was clear. I just went out to walk, wondering if I could see the same thing that Javier saw. 
I heard something behind me and... I'm sorry, you were right. I looked over to Sam then, confused. So, you saw it? She nodded rapidly. Yes, huge tail, snout, everything. As soon as she said that, my heart dropped. If she hadn't been the one making the noises near us, then what was it? I looked down the road, and I saw it. The same creature that I stared down two years ago. We were reunited, face to face. Only this time, it was nearly five or six feet away. Holy crap. What? Leanne asked, then looked over and saw what I was seeing. She was speechless then. Before long, we all saw it. The creature before us made a loud growl. Then we began to hear branches breaking around us. There was more than one of them. I'd always believed there was just one. Leanne clinged on to me, and I wondered if we were about to die. Then, as if by some miracle, a gunshot was fired in the distance. These creatures scurried off in a hurry. What just happened? Cameron yelled out. I looked out to where the cabin was, and I answered, Adam happened. We headed quickly back to the cabin, where we found a zombie target with a bullet hole in it, and Adam was sitting on the front porch, holding what looked to be a hunting rifle. He'd been doing target practice, and just happened to possibly have saved our lives. Hey guys, Adam said. Uh, you look like you saw a ghost or something. Cameron took his mask off and asked, Where the heck did you get that gun? I brought it with me in case we wanted to do some shooting practice. Is that a problem? No, 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 no. I think you saved our lives. We told Adam we'd explain tomorrow. For the time being, we went inside and had some drinks. The effects of Ouija boards are real. From Kim Visible I've always been enthralled with the macabre. The darker, the better, as far as entertainment choices are concerned. That being said, I have never witnessed or been a part of any type of paranormal encounter. That would change the year I turned 25. I was at a college football camp. My brother was on the team. He, along with myself, my boyfriend, and our oldest brother and a few friends, were all in a cabin together. We had rented it near the summer training camp. It was in a lush and woodsy area a few hours away from Phoenix. We wanted to escape the torturous, brutal desert sun for the week. My younger brother had told me some intense stories about him and a few of his friends, and what unfolded after a few sessions they had on a Ouija board. My little brother is one of the most level-headed, honest, and rational people I've ever known. I was fascinated by his tales of this experience. So when we were all hanging out at that cabin one night, after the team was done for the day, someone suggested we try a Ouija board. We didn't have one, so I took it upon myself to literally make one out of a piece of cardboard. The planchette was also something I hastily and essentially generically fastened out of cardboard. My little brother was down to watch, but he was adamant about not wishing to participate. So it would be me, my ex, his best friend, and my oldest brother. We started to move the planchette around, and long story short, after a while, it really started to go. And by go, I mean it was moving around in no particular order or design, but it was definitely moving. My ex's friend was annoyingly skeptical. He kept doubting why it was moving, as if one of us was faking it. However, we all hardly had the faintest of one fingertip on the board, and as this thing hauled quickly around the janky, bent piece of cardboard I crafted, it was so clearly being moved. At times, my jaw would be on the floor, and my boyfriend would have to remind me to keep a fingertip on the planchette. We all began to ask questions one at a time. And when my ex's friend's turn came up, since he was the most skeptical, I told him to ask only something that he would know. He asked the name of his childhood dog when he was around five, about 20 years before I met this dude. It spelled out the unique name of that pet. 
I asked it the name of the one brother who wasn't with us was, and that was accurate too, though it was an easy question. So I said, okay, what is the name of our soon-to-be sister-in-law that brother is marrying? It spelled out her name too, though it wasn't exactly perfect. It was a common name with a common spelling. I was like, sure, close enough, but the planchette moved to no, and then it went through and spelled her name correctly this time. We continued to ask questions, getting lots of specifics, and after a few hours we ended up just giving up and going to bed. I remember feeling so shocked that it worked. I looked at my little brother, who had this intense expression on his face. He asked, well, what did you expect? Fair enough, I thought, but I literally did not expect it to so blatantly work. But I do wish I knew one thing, how to properly say goodbye and end the session. Because ever since then, I feel there's some dark energy, something that we let in that night which affected my life in particular. I suppose if there is a moral to the story, it would be not to play with something when you don't know the rules. There could be unforeseen consequences that are not worth it in the end. North Carolina Wendigo From Boo Mc20 This happened in July of 2022. I live in the Uari Mountains in North Carolina. We have goats and chickens in a large fenced-in area. One night I had gone to grab something out of my car when I heard my goats making distressed noises. I could hear them running around in the pasture. I went inside my house, grabbing my AR-style rifle. I then jogged out to the pasture they were supposed to be in. When I got to the fence, I opened the gate and walked in, and I began to check on the goats, counting them all. After I counted all the livestock, I started walking around the fence line. I got to a point where the fence drops off to a valley or a ravine. Just over the fence was this creature. Whatever it was, it had this grayish-blue skin, almost like ash, and it looked like it didn't have a nose or lips. It had five fingers, and they looked like claws or long nails on each fingertip. The thing's eyes were this blue-gray color, almost the same as its skin. I locked eyes with it for a few seconds, as I slowly clicked the safety off of my rifle, bringing it to my shoulder. As I did that, the creature let out this almost human-like scream. It sounded a lot like a woman yelling, but distorted. As it screeched, it stood up and turned away from me. I swear that thing stood about seven or eight feet tall. It looked back at me one more time before it took off back into the woods. It moved so fast, it looked like it almost vanished. I stood there dumbfounded for a minute, then I turned and ran back to my house. When I made it home, I locked the doors and let my mom know what I'd seen. I really don't think she believed a word of it, but I did insist on it. She noticed how scared I was. I talked to my dad about it too, and he told me to never go in the woods after it gets dark alone. Since then, I had a few weird things happen. In September, I was with my friends walking in the woods since we had a cabin close to my house. Some of my friends stayed behind, looking at some old housing structure about maybe a half a mile from the cabin. A few of my friends and I went ahead and it started to get late, so I turned around and headed back to where they were. As I got close to them, I heard my name being called in a distorted version of my friend's voice. To this day, I'm not entirely sure what I saw or heard. I almost think it was a Wendigo, but the area I live in doesn't really match what folklore I've heard. Then again, there is a Native American burial ground close to my house. If anyone can help me figure it out, that would be great. Thank you for listening to another unsettling episode of Unexplained Encounters. You can send us your story to have it narrated on the show at darkstories.org. Unexplained Encounters is an EerieCast original series. You can find other horror-themed podcasts at EerieCast.com, such as Redwood Bureau, a fictional anthology series. 
Creaky Folklore, a documentary-style series about myths and cryptids around the world. Destination Terror, a show about the most haunted places. And Tales from the Break Room, another show I host all about the scary things that happen to people at work. Again, that's EerieCast.com. By the way, if you want fewer annoying ads and you want to support what we do, consider going to EerieCast.com plus to sign up for EerieCast Plus. That unlocks all our podcasts with all but host red ads removed. Until next time, stay safe out there and stay creepy because this world is a strange one. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.